treehouses can bring in anywhere in my market, anywhere between $350 to $600 a night. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have Alex Jarbo. Alex, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So Alex is a short-term rental developer manager, uh, born and raised in Detroit, but now is in uh, is in the Carolinas, right? Uh, military guy, served in the Marine Corps for four and a half years, stationed in Washington, D.C., part of the Marine Corps Honor Guard. So thank you uh, for your service, Alex. That's really cool. My brother, my oldest brother is a former Marine as well. I uh, love it. So, and uh, you, it's, you went from the Marines directly into real estate. Is that right? Yeah. And I could tell that story, but right into real estate development. Yeah. Right into real estate development. And was it that, and it was your own company. Is that, isn't that right? Yeah. 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 So, so you just um, jumped right in. Were you doing real estate while you're in the Marines? Yeah. So um, a year before I decided to leave the military, I really started looking up on different like things to invest in crypto, M&A, stocks, real estate. Real estate caught my eye just because the control you could have over it, especially like the values and stuff like forced appreciation. Yeah. And um, I originally joined a flipping mentorship and the flipping mentorship. I realized the guy who ran the flipping mentorship, all of his long term wealth on the real estate side was tied into short-term rentals like all of this stuff all of this real estate no, no long-term anything and uh so i got him on a call and he showed me his numbers i was like that's insane like what his nets were even back then and um i was like okay I, i'm that's that's what i want to focus on like the flipping's cool and everything quick buck but i was like i'm i'm yeah. i'm want to be in it for the long run so yeah he um he helped me he showed me how to choose a market. We actually decided on Asheville and literally the day I left uh, the military, I, I drove straight here, got my broker's license. Um, yeah. 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 It was a pretty intense. Yeah. And then what I, what I realized was like, when I started looking for, I had some money saved up from the military, but not too much. And um, what I realized with trying to purchase my own property was everything was either way out of my price range at that time, or it, anything that was in my price range wouldn't have done well as a short-term rental, maybe as a long-term rental where you could put a long-term tenant in there, but there was nothing unique about the property. So yeah, my very first real estate investment was a ground up development that I did myself with the GC. Wow. That's, that's intense. That's a, that's a wild start. And so the funds that you used for that, was that your personal funds? Did you raise money? How, how did that come about? Yeah, my, my very first one, um, I, I had some money saved up. It was like maybe 10 or 12,000 that I used. Yeah. I used a second home loan, essentially, um, a second home construction loan, which at that time was like 10% down. You can get away with 10%. They don't do that anymore. But um yeah one turned into two really quickly two turned into four and then i brought on some investor capital and just like today alone we're developing 10 million dollars worth right now oh cool so yeah, are yeah. these standalone uh so when you say 10 million dollars explain that to me is that like one uh, apartment type building because uh, because we're talking short-term rentals so is it one apartment is it a dozen cabins like what what kind of what does that look like 
Yeah, I love that question. So yeah, they're all they're all separate permanent foundation stick built houses. You can do the tiny so house. They're all houses. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I we do have plans next year on dipping our toes into doing like a boutique hotel, maybe of 12 units or something. Hmm. Um, because those tend to be those are becoming really popular. But yeah, they're all permanent foundation stick built houses. What I realized last year was instead of doing these onesie and twosie two cabins at a time, um, is the best use of my time, because I have GCs that work for me on different levels. Um, the best use of my time, there was no difference between me looking at a one acre parcel and me looking at a 20 acre parcel. It was the same amount of time. So all of our cabins are like cluster developments now of six to 12 cabins, and there's some sort of theme with them. So it's either A-frames, log cabins, chalets, gotcha. cottages, barn style type, like modern barn houses as well. Um, but yeah, they're all they're all separate properties but we're, we're looking into getting the boutique hotels as well so are all these mostly in kind of that Asheville area yeah in Cause, western cause, western North know, Carolina yeah yeah for, and for those who don't know Asheville really well I mean it's it's basically right at the Smokies right and it's it's yeah um beautiful hills um or mountains I guess um, yeah yeah so yeah, really cool area. We were actually there a couple of years ago. I, I went and hiked Bradley Falls. Have you ever hiked Bradley uh -huh. Falls? No, so many. There's hundreds of waterfalls here. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. It was Brad, we hiked Bradley Falls and it was all shut down. They had like, do not enter signs everywhere. Of course we entered right. um, and, and checked it out. We were able to get to the big big falls it was really really cool but yeah and i mean we great. can talk about this too but like what i love about mountain markets they tend to be a little bit less seasonal like mm. people there's nothing more iconic than a log cabin with a hot tub in the winter right oh, yeah. so in within the mountains so that, that's why I, I like i'm not i'm not stuck on just western north carolina but if i can find these like pockets of mountains throughout the whole country that's that's how i have like my goal of doing 650 cabins in the next three years that's that's probably how i'm going to do it it's just through mountain communities are, are so are the is the strategy then to buy because so are you buying in Asheville itself or are you trying to develop kind of in smaller more rural areas yeah what's, yeah what's the strategy so our strategy my I'm not even gonna say our strategy at that time my strategy when I first started um I I was pushed out to the county anyways just out of necessity because it was cheaper instead of doing it in the city Asheville itself does not allow it's illegal to do short-term rentals now people do it there's like I've looked up the stats there's like 2400 rentals in Asheville proper but um with me putting my own money on the line with me getting financing with me then taking on investor capital just to protect us I didn't want to do that um so what I did was down, I just, especially with investors man Love it. yeah man Love absolutely it. yeah yeah um <laughs> So it's like, I just might, I'm, I'm licensed, but I have an agent that does a way better job than me that works with me. We just pulled up the Asheville map on the MLS and just purchased properties on the outskirts, literally a minute away from the line, essentially. So all of our properties are within 15 to 25 minutes of downtown. We did that out of necessity, but what COVID did was it pushed people out of the metro cities into the more rural markets, especially yeah. with people working from home. Um, so that wasn't our plan originally, but that helped us. Like, I mean, we were 100%... We, we kept raising our prices and people kept booking it. We were at 95% plus throughout COVID uh, outside of the initial lockdown. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in more, all of our properties are in, in the County. Well, COVID settled down, right. And, and potentially we're heading into a recession, who knows, but uh, right now COVID settled down and what, what are you seeing? Are you still seeing good rental rates? Are you still seeing high occupancy? What are you, what are you seeing out there? 
Yeah. So the way we invest, man, and this is what I talk about in the bigger pockets blog on my YouTube channel is like, I'm all about unique properties. Uh, like pro I call them Instagrammable properties. So like I said, the A-frames, the log cabins, tree houses, chalets, and cottages. Properties that the property itself is as an experience in itself outside of the city that the guest is visiting. So not just some uh, ordinary just house that you maybe make. No, like our saying is like, stop building boring buildings. So it's like yeah. it, it, that the Instagrammable property, like a property that's you would be proud of putting on your social media that really helps with, and I hate to like say it like that because it's not quantifiable. And I, when I talk to like a numbers guy or someone who's just in the numbers, it's hard to be like, okay, these properties do better because they're unique, but it's true. Especially with like, we, we have some influencers that come through our properties and market our properties on their social media. They're not going to be looking at like a boring building or a, yeah. a boring property. They want something unique. So does location um, so, matter just as much as building or does building matter? Yeah. You want to, you want to start. You want to start with your market first. So yeah. what I what I like to say and what I like to tell some of the people that I work with who, who are doing this, what I'm helping them with is you want to think of, I always write any real estate book you, you read, it says start in your backyard. And that might not necessarily mean like right in your backyard, but start in your general market. And if you live in a busy metro area, what I always recommend doing is think of a town or a city that people like to vacation to that uh, in your area that people like to take an extended weekend vacation to. So that market might be anywhere between an hour to four hours away. I recommend sticking that hour to two hours if you're just starting, because you're going to be driving up there a lot. The two extreme examples I like to give is New York City. People drive upstate New York four hours, sometimes on a weekend. Uh, on the other side, you have San Diego. People like to drive to Big Bear Lake two hour and a half, two hours away. So that's that's those are the examples I like to give is you want to start with market and that's how you decide on a market. You're, there are these pockets throughout the whole country that people in these busier metro cities like to visit to that aren't necessarily making it on the top whatever travel magazines, but there's a huge population of travel throughout the whole year that people go to. Yeah. Um, like I said, I like to invest in mountain markets over um, beach markets. So I like to stick to that. But that so you want to choose market first and then you stack it with the unique property. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, are are you looking at? Is there any resources that you're looking at to go? Hey, because because you gotta you gotta make sure even if you're gonna choose a mountain market or beach market yeah. or lake market or whatever it might be, you gotta make sure that people are gonna actually rent your place, especially if you build it. Uh, but no matter what, you gotta make sure people are actually going to rent it. So how do you how do you validate that? How do you verify? Yeah, yeah people are gonna spend. X amount and I should be able to keep it, you know, 75% occupied and, yep. or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, um, so the very first thing you want to do is outside, outside of just the uniqueness, right. I was talking about, so there's two tools I like to use airdna.co. You have to pay for it, but it pulls all of essentially the MLS for short-term rentals. It pulls all, I don't know how they do it, but it pulls all the data from Airbnb and VRBO and it will show you what it'll show you all the properties in your market, what the average daily rate is, what their current occupancy is. It could be skewed a little bit because some people are renting out their second homes and stay in it year, like for half of the year. AirDNA is a really good website. If you want to not pay for it, um, a, a recent tool I started using was data.rabu.com. That's like literally the MLS for short-term rentals, but you have to have an address. So some sort of address, you plug that in, you play with the filters a little bit, and then it'll show you all the properties in your area. Um, those are the two main tools. Rabu? I like. uh, Rabu. I can. Uh, Rabu. Yeah. Data dot 
rabbu.com. All right. I just want to, we can put that in our show notes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But But that, and then based off of that, you want to figure out what your break, it's just like, so when I first started, there weren't any too many short-term rental resources out there. So I, I leaned really heavily on multifamily books and I leaned really heavily on just general hospitality hotel books. Like I would subscribe to like franchising hotel newsletters, whatever. Um, just to see what what the language of the business was. So you want to figure out what your break-even occupancy is. We like to stick of a we like to stick to a break-even occupancy after debt service of anywhere between 35 to 44, 45% wow. roughly. Um that way, um no matter what business you want to you're good at, you're getting into, man, like you, you have to think of worst case scenario. I don't care yeah. if we were we we were coming out of the best bull market in history. Um, I planned my business as if my properties had a 60, 65% occupancy and that we st- we stuck with that and it's helping us as we're going through this correction right now. Yeah. Um, so data.rabu.com, airdna.co and figure out your break-even occupancy. I, I would recommend don't, don't do the projects if, if it's over 50%. What, what's usually, do you have like a, a typical margin uh, on a healthy, you know, stabilized, you know, you build it, it's completely stabilized. And uh, do you have a, do you have a particular margin between, you know, for your NOI? Yeah. I mean, so that, that was part of it right there was the break-even occupancy is your, your, your say, like we just did one where the break-even occupancy was 42%. Um, and then I underwrite at 65%, 60, 65%. So that's the margin right there would be that, that, say, I guess, 18 to 20%. Um, for our investors, we try to get them like anywhere between a 12 to 16% cash on cash. It's, got, it's obviously getting compressed a little bit because yeah. of higher interest rates, but try to get a 10% cash on cash right now anywhere. Are you able to still continue to build with the interest rates where they're at? Yeah, man. It's just, we, like I said, we're, we're pivoting towards those unique properties. And I mean, those unique property, not pivoting, but we're like right now we're, we're designing a treehouse community and those tree, like when we say a treehouse community, it's a, a, they're essentially houses on stilts in the mountains marketed as treehouses. Cause you can yeah. get financing on that type yeah. of stuff. But those, those unique properties are backed by actual numbers. I know treehouses can bring in anywhere in my market, anywhere between 350 to $600 a night. So we're optimizing floor, we're optimizing floor plans and square footage. We can build at, uh, maybe a little bit high of, higher of a square footage number, maybe like four to four to four fifty for the square foot uh, for the tree houses, but they're like five to six hundred dollars or five to six hundred square foot, but they're bringing in four to six hundred a night. So that's that's how we've optimized the like. There's no way to get around the the materials cost, right? There's no way to get around the the trades cost unless if you just wait and pray something happens. Yeah. Um, but we're not, I mean, we're, we're, we're pushing forward no matter what market we're in. We've just changed our strategy. So Alex, you know, the biggest concern, maybe not the biggest concern, a big concern yeah. with short-term rentals is I got to sit there and put it on Airbnb or VRBO. And I got to, you know, clean afterwards and I, people are destroying my place. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, the management, I, I guess. Yeah. What do you guys do to mitigate the management risk and the management time um, that goes along with Airbnbs or yeah, we short-term manage rentals? We manage everything in-house. Um, so the first thing is 
the the number one thing is finding a good cleaning company. And I say cleaning company, not cleaning person, because you want to find someone that can grow with you. The cleaning company I use has a hundred properties that they manage on a day-to-day basis. So that's going to be number one. The cleaning company can handle your inventory as well. You have I, We have inventory lists in all of our properties. They go through it maybe once every couple of weeks. They order everything. We put a 10%, um, I pay them 10%. So like if they inventory, purchase- Are you talking like toilet paper? And- yeah. Toilet paper, we we leave out like mints and candies, toilet paper, paper sure, towels. Sure. If linens are getting torn, tape, paper towels. I trust my cleaning company with the reputation that they have here to just charge my credit card directly for any of those. And that's built into our budgets anyways, like an inventory cost, a monthly inventory cost. So your cleaning company is going to be number one. Also, they are your, we don't have a boots on the ground COO or manager or anything because they're the ones who are, their people are going through the property at least twice a week, turning it. So they're going to see if someone punched a hole through the wall and then they're going to send my virtual assistant, which I'll get to in a second, a picture. And then that's sent directly over to VRBO or Airbnb. Hmm. So that's number one. So cleaning company is going to be the most important thing. Something like that happened, hole in the wall or, you know, big something, some rare damage. I think we've hosted maybe a thousand people so far this year. And I think we've done maybe two or three incidences, but the issue, and I, I always preface that because those are the stories that you hear about on the news, right? Like yeah. the, well, like the, you hear the horror stories over, it could have been ho- like hosted a 200 people through that property in the year 150, but you always hear about the bad ones. So yeah. whenever I say horror stories like that, I always like to preface it as like, those are the anomalies. It's the same thing with long-term rentals. People, crazy stuff happens in hotels every single day. So yeah. it's, it's the same thing. So okay. cleaning companies, number one. Number two, um, when you start growing a little bit bigger, I would say, honestly, even after four or five properties, we have a, um, even with our properties being newer, we have like a, a maintenance person that's on retainer and then we yeah. pay them hourly. So a monthly retainer of like four or $500. And then we pay them, we pay them hourly for anything that needs to get done. Nice. Um, and then landscaper is just really simple. And there's one other big piece. Oh yeah, messaging. So messaging 70 to 80% of our messaging is automated. Um, through a service we use called Hospitable. Anyone can look it up, just Hospitable Short-Term Rentals. It's a property management software. It costs $20 per property per month. Nothing crazy. It could also automate your reviews. So like, as long as the guests did a really good job, as long as there was no problem with the guests, which 95% of the time, there's not a problem with the guests, um, you can preload like five five-star review messages that the system automatically pulls and just reviews the guests for you. That doesn't sound like a lot, but... Airbnb ranks your property higher if you review the guest. So one, two properties might not sound like a lot, but like reviewing that many guests can get pretty tedious. So messaging is automated. Um, our automat- we, we have e-locks in all of our properties. So uh, we use a company called Remote Lock that takes the last four digits of the guest uh, who books phone number and turns it into the code for the property. And then that code is scrapped immediately. Um, once the guest checks out, checks out. So uh, locks are automated there. And then uh, we just started using virtual assistants out of the Philippines that we actually get. Um, we find them in the same that we use Upwork, but that's where Airbnb uses. That's what Airbnb uses to find their support agents. So all of our all uh, the virtual assistant that we use used to work for Airbnb. So yeah. like so they they're they're already familiar with there the platforms. Um, and then that their language has to be pretty good because there's some sort of accent there, but it's not too crazy. Um, Just in case some, some people like to call, barely happens, but people like to call over texting. 
Um, and then I guess the last piece would be our digital guidebook on us. So we use a digital guidebook. Um, and what that is, is just a link. You can create the guidebook online. It's a link that you just plug into your automated messaging. And you can essentially plan your guest trip for them. Like in terms of, hey, here's our four or five days. If you like Asheville's known for like breweries, hiking, blah, blah, blah. Here's a hiking day. Here's a restaurant day. Here's a brewery day. Here's like an attraction day. You can mix and match. Uh, I like to look at us as like a travel agent almost for free. You just do that once and you forget about it. Um, but that, yeah, that's all the pieces there. You have cleaning crew, messaging, guidebook, locks, and then maintenance person. And then I'm pretty, pretty much disconnected from the management side. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, there's no other way to scale. If you're going to scale and do what, what you're planning on doing, uh, you know, I know your goal is developing 650 cabins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, man, I mean, that's that's a lofty goal. And, and yeah, I, I, I sat down last year, man, and I was like, the best use of my time for my business is content creation. So yeah. doing podcasts like this, my YouTube channel, my blog posts on Bigger Pockets, and then uh, and just identifying properties. Love it. Love it. Yeah. You got to know uh, what you really want to be doing with your time. Um, okay, a couple last questions. First of all, yeah, man. You are a Guinness World Record holder. Actually, are you right still there. a Guinness World Record yeah. holder? Well, it's it, right there. What? What for? It's funny. I got it. so it's. Fun. I've done some. I've done some interviews that that's the. First, I'd be like blah blah blah. Go straight to the podcast, uh, the bio, and then that's the first question that gets asked, which is hilarious. Um, so I, I did magic. I was a magician, and I still am for the last like 15 years or so. It's evolved from doing like magic shows as I was a kid to the Marine Corps. I would do it while we'd just be waiting for stuff to happen. I would have like cards or coins on me, um, and then it's turned into a networking thing. Like we just did the ClickFunnels event last week, um, and there were a couple after parties um, that I was at that I was just like doing magic tricks to people. Um, so I, when when it came to the Guinness World Record, I wanted something that was either tied to coins or cards. And that was that it's the furthest distance to roll a coin, which is the dumbest thing ever. Um, but I just went on, I went on their website. I was like, what's the easiest thing? It took it still took like six months. Uh, and I'm sure it takes longer now. But I was like, what's the easiest thing I can knock out? And I just got like a half dollar. Um, I had a friend that owned a, a gym and he had like a long stretch of like concrete. And I just like whip, like we had a couple cameras, a couple witnesses, quote unquote, just whip that thing. Six months later, they send me one of those things. That's hilarious. So you're yeah. the longest coin roller. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing ever. But it's tied, it's tied to <laughs> coins. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Well, cool. Alex, I got a couple last questions before we'll wrap. So first of all, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Business, real estate, whatever it might be. Yeah, Um. I, I'm going to say when, when I first started in this journey, man, like uh, six, seven years ago, I really wanted to understand just the way our money system works, right? So outside of real estate, everything and everything, the my favorite book is The Creature from Jekyll Island, man. Mm. Um, it can be looked at as a conspiracy book, but there's like 120 pages of references at the very end. Yeah. Um, any person who I've studied at like the highest levels has always recommended that book. Um, and everything that played out with COVID, with our uh, economy and our money system and how we printed money, played out exactly the way that book said it would um so that i recommend that book to anyone. it's a big boy it's like six seven hundred pages yeah. but um that that's like the goggles that like you start seeing things a little bit differently cool love it yeah um what's a 
what's a hobby or not hobby, sorry. What's a habit that you do every day or, you know, what, what's just a habit? Okay. I can't live without habit. Yeah. I, I practice the miracle morning by Hal Elrod every morning. I've got it down to about 20 minutes. Um, I've adapted a lot of different things that I've just found. So like I do Wim Hof breathing techniques, which is what I did in the more, like what we do, used to do that in the military anyways, it was just called something different. Um, and then I use the five minute journal um, for like just my writing stuff. Like it's actually right there, right behind me in the morning um, between the Wim Hof and that, and just working out. Um, I'm a runner. So like just running, disconnecting in the morning and just it, it, some of my best ideas have come in at that, at that time when I was running. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Last question before we wrap up, Alex, uh, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Yeah. I mean, number one on the business. So it, that goes to business and personal life because those things, as much as you try to separate them, they're going to be connected. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So number one, obviously is what I'm in right now is the short-term rental development and management space. So that's going to be where most of my income is coming from. That's one. And then number two is going to be just like a work-life balance, man, is um, one of my good friends that turned into a, or a mentor that turned into a good friend. He would, he, he leaves, he, he's, he's on his way to running a hundred million dollar company a year. And um, he leaves the office at four. We could be in the middle of a meeting and oh, it's four o'clock. We're done. Like mm -hmm. he's a nine to four guy. So that's one thing that I've, I, I was able to shadow him a month and a half ago and just watch how he works in the office four o'clock every single day so that uh, a good work-life balance because like the first I mean it's going to suck when you're starting out any type of business the first couple of years but it, people people try to transition from whatever their maybe their salary job and they want to start their own business but sometimes they get stuck sometimes like they become a slave to their own business yeah. um so being able to disconnect and step away that's that I think that's another pillar is yeah. is just a work-life balance and you're you it's it's like a your the business should run around your life, not not the other way around. Yeah. Um. So that's number one, and then so so like just working towards the third pillar would be working towards something bigger than yourself. I would even challenge people to say bigger than your own family, um, because I I worked very hard to sort of, and this was very recently to essentially just take care of my parents and make sure my wife and I were good to go. But that in the last six months that happened, and you're like, okay, what now? You're like you, you have to think you you have to you have to believe in a cause or um donate in a cause that's bigger than yourself so like what we do is um we're, we're working um we're we're i'm originally my parents are originally from northern iraq um and there was some stuff that was like destroyed during the war um where my parents grew up that we'd like to rebuild um some stuff and donate some money towards so that, that that's become my big why in the last six months or so is that so first pillar is going to be something that can a business or something that can run like just afford to give you the option to do whatever the heck you want. And then pillar number two is a work-life balance and pillar number three, something way bigger than yourself. And I would even challenge people bigger than your family. Love it. Well, I was going to recap it, but you did a better job than I would have done. So I appreciate that. Alex, look, man, it's, it's, it's been good. I I've really enjoyed the time. I don't speak to a lot of people that are doing Airbnb, uh, sorry, I call it Airbnb just because that's what I'm so used to calling it, but short-term yeah. rentals. Yeah. Hospitality is what I call it now at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hospitality, uh, the way that you are, you know, the, there's a lot of guys and gals that have a couple 
that I talk to, they have one, they have two, they maybe even have three or four. Uh, but the way you're doing it, how you're developing it, how you're being so purposeful about it, creating truly a company, a hospitality company around it, is just really fun to talk to and just hear um, your experiences and, and what, you're, what you're doing. And I'm sure when we talk here, you know, the next time and you know, I'll have to have you back on in a year or two and see just the journey and, and where your company's at, it's going to be a lot of fun. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? I know you got a YouTube channel, you are um, on bigger pockets and, and, and write for bigger pockets, but how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way? Yeah, I mean, YouTube channel, I'm very, I'm very active in the comment section there. I'm on LinkedIn, you guys can just look up my name there. My, um, we just launched a, a short term rental development course. Um, that's on my website, alexjarbo.com, A-L-E-X-J-A-R-B-O.com. I essentially created the course that I wish I had if I would have started six years ago. That's essentially what I did. I just created a guidebook because I had so many friends asking me about what I do. And I was like, here you go. Like, here's the course. But um, yeah, we just launched that. So between those three things or four things, LinkedIn, bigger pockets the YouTube channel and my personal site. I'm sure people can connect with me that way. Cool. Different ways. Yep. Yeah. We'll put some of that in the show notes. People can connect. Um, Alex, again, really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. It's been a lot of fun and, and good getting to know you. Awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Right, take care. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.